Uh, Brezzy is here. How are you? I am flying. How are you? Good, good. I'm sorry. I'm going to be honest. I'm fast forwarding my life for the next half hour because I'm going to see my twin sister mm. in about 40 minutes for the first time since July. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty special. You're telling her that she had a, a nice spicy landing in Dublin <laughs> airport this morning. Yeah, she was, she was fine. She was fine. But she's very calm. But on the phone, she was like, that was a bit yeah, dicey. Yeah, you have to go straight it's to the, the weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're saying you're thinking maybe a Canadian trip is in your future as well. Yeah, I've had this. I've been to Canada. I've been in the cities, but I've never kind of, it's the real Canada, as they call it. My, yeah. mate, my mate Liam, my mate Liam goes there the whole time and he sent, he puts these pictures up and I was like, that's where you want to go. Like, he's like literally... Where does he go? Is it Toronto he goes Edmonton, to? Edmonton and oh, yeah. he goes across. I mean, he goes everywhere. He's, his partner is from Canada. Yeah. But she, she lives there. So he goes over. So I'm kind of thinking, I could give that a shot. Now, proper winter Canada, not, yes. the, not the kind of summery. Yes. You might as well be anywhere in summer, but... <laughs> No, I want to go to the proper winter. I do miss the, like, I weirdly, when it's been cold for the last few weeks, everyone's like, oh, whatever. But I actually kind of really miss, I'm like a husky. I miss the cold sometimes. I mean, it's cold. Well, like, when you, when you try to say that to a Canadian, they just kind of get, come on out. Bad, seriously. It's put on an extra jumper, you'll be grand. And off you go. Yeah. There's a lot to talk to you about. I suppose the big thing is podcast tour, and that's mm. happening. And mm-hmm. tell us more about it. Yeah, I mean, I've had two cancelled podcast tours, and actually, not just putting a tour together, but writing the show mm. is a lot of work. So just the idea, no one needs to bring up the pandemic anymore. But it was, you, you commit to the show, you commit to the tour, yeah. you plan it, you write it, and then you put it. That was becoming the default setting. Got for quite the, heartbreaking. Yeah, twice. And, and one of them, we did a UK tour as well. That was pulled. So I kind of just got really, I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, I don't want, I just don't want to put on a show and have yeah. to do that again. But uh, we kind of, got the nerve to do it again and we've announced the Olympia Dublin Street Olympia on Friday 28th of April 2023 for the Where's My Mind live podcast so mm-hmm. it's kind of my first live podcast I've done since I did one years ago in the Sugar Club for, um, for the Dublin Podcast Festival but mm-hmm. it's my first kind of deli- uh, bringing the show but isn't it setting. amazing how, like, we all, like, as a medium podcast, you know, it's in our ears. But now, in the last year, it's become much more of a visual thing. And it, and people are, so many people are going to the stage and it works, but it works really well. I think you have to, if if podcasting is your job, which mm-hmm. essentially it is with me now at this point, yeah. you, you got to bring it to the live setting. You have to see what happens when you bring it alive. And I think also with a live podcast, you have to put on a show as well. you got to give yeah. the audience something with it. But for me... I do think it was a natural progression yeah. and performing is what I've done all my life, a musician or, you know, speak. So I'm quite comfortable on the live kind of stage, but trying to figure out how do I translate everything we do mm-hmm. into that kind of setting, the types of guests you want to bring on, the types of shows you want to put on. And ultimately we're, we're trying to kind of explore the beauty and the beast that is the human mind yeah. and, and the head melty chaos of the modern world. That's yeah. what we're trying to do. So bringing that to a live setting. It'll be a lot, of, a lot of crack as well. Like, you have to bring that irreverence. It'll be good. Yeah, yeah. The Are Olympia tickets on sale? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they, they, went, they went on sale a few weeks ago in um, on Ticketmaster and on my on my uh, socials. But, yeah, no, I'm kind of just... The Olympia also has that... It's uh, for it, a big venue, it has intimacy. It, unbelievable. I don't know why it is. So I, I, asked, I used to ask, what was it about the Olympia to play it that just created a different type of intensity for a band? The stage tilts a bit. It, til- it tilts right. towards the crowd a little. It's really subtle. Okay. And I don't know if all stages do that. So you're gripping that. on for dear life yeah, the whole time. But the, the drummer's literally <laughs> stuck to the back of your head. But there is something about that when it tilts. And probably every stage does that, but it's really noticeable. Mm. In, in, in And then it's the height 
of, mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah, the Olympia for every band is, is always the kind of well, My favourite gigs have been there. Like, yeah. I'll never forget it. It was on a birthday years ago, the National, and oh, we were wow. in a box, and I was like, this is the, like, this is it. This is life. This is the best. It really is. It's yeah, yeah. I, my, like, I, I think any, if you have any chance to go to see a show or a band that you love, I think, the, like, the Pixies played there a few that I, I was meant to go and I got sick. I got like a stomach bug and I couldn't go. And that's the type of venue when yeah, I see it. You know, definitely. some bands get lost in bigger venues. Definitely. Tell me about this. Now, you've done something that I'm fascinated by and it's very much for our audience is you've gone into the world of par- you know with parents and children and talking about their mental health and how to help parents help their children with it. And the sleep scan is a technique that you've done a book on. And, it, you know, and it just, it seems so obvious but it's good because of your platform you've gotten it to more people mm. and it's a tool it's a helpful tool for parents to help their kids yeah i when i was uh, doing my masters i kind of focused predominantly on kind of how children are processing the world in mm-hmm. terms of mindfulness and how we can better intervene there and what do we do and that's we set up my charity lust for life which is we're nearly forty-five thousand students we've reached Incredible. now with these types of programs and the idea behind it is with kids, for me, mindfulness for children is not about mindfulness. It's about giving them the language of emotion. Yes. So they can express it and they can f- feel it and they can understand it and they can talk to their parents or their guardian or teachers about it. And giving them that platform that I obviously didn't have, you know, growing up, just emotion yeah. was the only emotions did. you had were good ones, happy yeah. ones, you know, and you weren't allowed to have the other ones. So that to me is is saying to kids, these are normal. You're going to experience them. Mm. What happens when you experience them? What can you do with them? And for me, the, the it's the functionality of mindfulness. So it's, it's telling a kid to focus on their breath is pointless. You know, most kids will just go, Jay, this, this is boring. It doesn't make sense, yeah. It doesn't make sense. Give them a functional thing they can do, like a physical thing they can mm. do, whether it's a, with their fingers or hands. And So that's what I do with the with the kind of Magic Moments series is, is come up with this, the technique that is essentially a mindfulness technique, but is something they do. Yes. So it becomes practical, it becomes accessible and tangible for them, and it doesn't bore them. And they can do it anywhere. And I wish, I actually wish you'd published those just a few years earlier for my daughter. But yeah. it's something that as a parent, you you think you're on top of and then you kind of forget. So we have to remind ourselves to introduce that into their lives as well. Like it becomes habitual. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a parent, I don't think. I'm still waiting <laughs> years of touring for like a six foot six, 13 year old to knock on my door. But I... I, I, like I've m- m- some of my best mates are parents, and like they're they're constantly worried about whether they're good parents all the time. And, yeah, and I'm thinking that must be so overwhelming to have mm. to think like that all the time. And there's a certain, and I always say to them, well, "What's your intention?" And they've been to be a really good parent. I went, "Then you're a good parent." I think we have created a slight fear factory around it. Yes, and also with kids, you know, my partner's psychologist. He always talks about she does a lot of assessments on mm-hmm. children. She says children have to fail. You can't wrap them in bubble wrap. You cannot solve all their problems. I know. And I think parents now feel sometimes the need to do that. And you're like, no, no, it's okay that they, once they feel safe, I think that's the the one thing I learned in, in my work, the most the most fundamental need of a child is to feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, if you can keep that safety for them, but that doesn't mean that they're going to not be scared or not be fearful of things. And I think they have to learn that. But mindfulness as an intervention for children we know is, 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 is quite effective and that's the research piece we're doing, I'm doing at the moment on the Lust for Life program is to see how effective actually is early intervention yeah. and how do we help teachers? Because teachers... And that becoming part of the school curriculum. I've noticed yeah. that with my daughter's school, not in her first, say, she's in fifth now, but since third class, they've talked a lot about that and they've done like a week where the project is about how to express yourself. And I think that's amazing that that's coming into the curriculum. Oh yeah, and how we make it into the curriculum is really important but the important thing to say about teachers is we need to get beyond the idea that their work stops behind the four walls. It doesn't. It, it doesn't and I think it's important that what we're trying to do with Lust for Life is is to is to make this work for them mm-hmm. as much as for the kids because 
to be a primary school teacher or a secondary school teacher is an immense commitment. It is a serious Huge. level of work and it's a very emotionally invested type of job. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is like, how do we help you? How do we facilitate this? How do we... So a lot of teachers will say, we want to do something, but we're not sure what it is we should do. Or yeah. Are we doing the right thing? So we're, we're basically developing these kind of evidence-based programs that they know are right. And it's incredible. Yeah. And it's they're also incredible. Netflix models, so they, they're scalable. They, they're, it's, a, it's a digital solution. So yeah, it, it, the one thing I didn't want to be in this work is a problem admiration society. There's problems here. Yeah. There's issues we have to address. I, you know, how are we going to do it? And we're not going to do it by shouting about it. We have to figure out collective ways of, of, of responding together, and yeah. helping children. And yeah. that's what we're trying to do. I love that. Now, there was something that went out earlier today about a suggestion for mental health for over the Christmas period. Because we're excited. We're hyped up. I'm super excited to get home to my sister. But there, you know, there's a lot of things that come with this festive period that can be stressful for people too. But one of the things was to switch off. And, mm. you know, would you be a really big advocate of that? So for, for social media, it just gets parked for a few weeks and just be in the moment, be present, scroll. Yeah, well I always think if Chris Rhea rewrote Driving Home for Christmas and was honest about it, <laughs> it, it you know driving down the N4 to Mullingar <laughs> on Christmas Eve, it, I can promise you it's not this kind of lovely Like mm. uh, Christmas can be overwhelming because I think what happens is there's a heightened level of emotion mm. all types of emotion. Families good, are together, bad, there's a history there, yeah. Yeah, and there's buttons being pushed and there's different relationships and that's normal and that's mm-hmm. kind of I think I think obviously after the pandemic, people might have a different perception of, they might see the grace for what it is yeah. to spend time with your family, even if it's sometimes difficult. But for me, stress and Christmas, the idea of switching off is hard and I'm not good it at is. it either. I'm not, very, I'm not no. good at it at all. So I'm kind of advocating this idea of the rest revolution. How do we find better ways to rest and how just to literally sit in our arse and do nothing and not feel guilty about it. Yeah. But when the CEO of Netflix said their biggest competitor in the marketplace is sleep, we've commodified sleep, you know yeah. what I mean? You're, so for me, you have to take ownership over your own mm-hmm. rest. What am I going to do? And it doesn't need to be a full day. Parents especially don't have the luxury of just going, I'm going to rest. So we need to find space in our days where we rest. And I think Christmas is a good opportunity mm-hmm. to stop Looking at people telling you how to be better versions of yourself or, t- t- or people comparing t- yourself, yeah. yeah or exactly. entrepreneurs telling you how to make more money or do- just stop. Mm-hmm. There's enough There's enough going on in the world to keep going, to get, get, even for a day or two. Yeah. Just leave it. And, yeah. and uh, I'm actually looking forward to, because I am very bad with my phone, I will admit. I'm looking forward to, because my sister's here now, I've got my husband, my daughter, and, and I'm such a worry wart that I don't have to look at it now. That They're with me. I can see everybody's okay. To put it into a drawer and I might leave it there for two days. I would love to do that. I broke my phone not on purpose two, two Christmases ago which you know it was quite nice I, I kind of broke it on Christmas Eve and I didn't have it before because you couldn't get a new phone so you, so it was, you it feel better almost don't yeah, you yeah you do we know, we know the crack of the phones yeah. we know that they consume us a lot and I, I think that I love it like I love like the thing about it is I don't want to not be online because every now and again well, you see something it's a that, job it's our job yeah, well. it you is. see things and you learn things it's just the intensity of it and the demanding yeah, of our attention it, yeah. and for yeah. Christmas just like as I said if Chris Rhea was honest <laughs> Just take take some space. Yeah, there you go. Someone's going to write a Christmas song about taking time off from the phone. Yeah. Rosie, you've got such a busy year and you've had such a busy year. Looking forward to a busy year. I really appreciate your time this morning. And thank you very much. And happy Christmas. And say hello to your sister. I will. Thanks. Today FM. Playing the music you love.